0: The Get Rich Slow Club podcast is a collaboration between Tash Etchman from Tash Invest and Anna Christina from Perla. The Get Rich Slow Club acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land we record on. From coast to coast, across land, waters and communities, we pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Any advice is general and does not consider your financial situation, needs or objectives. So consider whether it's appropriate for you.
1: Welcome to the Get Rich Slow Club podcast, where we take you from beginner to confident investor,
3: where we can teach you everything you need to know about investing. So come get rich slow with us. Today, we are discussing different budgeting methods, their pros and cons, how we budget. Plus, we have a really good discussion with Emma from The Broke Generation about different ways of budgeting you might not have heard of. But first, let's start with our money wins and losses. What do you have for us today, Anna? I got two hundred and fifty dollars back from Energy Victoria. They had this power saving
1: bonus. All you had to do is sign up, upload your PDF of your energy bill, and you got two hundred and fifty dollars back. And that hit my bank account the other day, so I'm very excited.
3: Amazing! Very exciting. Such an easy money win. Yeah, free money is always good.
1: Yeah. Plus, plus, it's very energy is very expensive, so it's um, it, it helps. Every every dollar helps, right?
3: Yeah, the place I'm renting at the moment, um, like their enterprise just included bills, which has been good. So I haven't seen it fluctuate recently, but I've heard it's getting very expensive. It is.
1: And what's your money, win or loss?
3: Um, I bought the book Fourth Wing. I've been seeing it on TikTok everywhere and I thought I'd give it a go. I really didn't think I'd like it because it's a fantasy book filled with lots of dragons, but I ended up loving it. So money very well spent there.
1: Ooh, we both had money wins this week.
3: Yeah. And I also went to a free talk by Robert Waldinger. Waldinger, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, he wrote the book, The Good Life and How to Live It, based on the world's longest study of happiness. Um, it was just a free event hosted by the University of New South Wales. So that was really fun. Oh, lovely event. So let's start with why even bother budgeting? A budget is essentially a roadmap for your money, helping you allocate your income towards expenses, savings, and goals. By understanding where your money is going, you gain control over your financial life.
1: Some of the reasons why you may want to budget are financial clarity, so just knowing where your money is going, goal tracking, saving for goals and tracking your finances for a particular reason, just having smarter spending, so controlling your expenses and curbing any overspending debt management, focusing on paying off debt, which also reduces interests, saving you more money in the long run, and financial security, creating a safety net and security for yourself so that you can achieve financial independence if that's your goal. So what are the first steps to track your
3: money? Tracking your spending is important to figure out where your money is going. This will allow you to realistically allocate money to things in your budget. Some of the ways you can do this is by using a budgeting app, You can print out bank statements and highlights your wants and needs in different colors. You can track your spending in a journal for a week, a fortnight, or a month. Or you can use Excel to list every time money comes in and out. Some important things to track are your income, your expenses, debt,
1: and your net worth. So let's break that down.
3: For your income, add all of your income together, including side hustle money, dividend income, your job, and rental income if you own a property.
1: Expenses? Add all your expenses, both necessary, such as rent and utilities, and other
3: things that are unnecessary, such as eating out or buying new clothes. For debt, track your home loan, credit card debt, buy now, pay later, car loans, and hex debt, for example, if you want to keep track of that. And if you want to track your net worth, which is a nice to have because
1: it kind of gives you an idea of your overall financial health. All you do is add up all your assets. So for example, if you own a house or any cash you have, any shares and minus any liabilities, which might be any debt. So such as your mortgage, credit card debt and so forth. And that gives you a nice round number to look at. And if it's in the negatives, that's okay because what you'll be doing is tracking how your money is going in the future, and hopefully you'll be in the positive.
3: Net worth is really interesting to track because a lot of it isn't inside your control. Like The stock market goes up and down and you can't control that, but it's definitely fun to see and gives you a nice overall position. And tracking your net worth isn't a necessity,
1: but it is a nice to have just so that you can kind of see where your money is going and
3: if you are staying out of debt. Now let's talk about some ways we can actually budget. So first are some more traditional ways of budgeting. None of this is new or revolutionary, it's just different ways of thinking about your money and whatever works best for you. A popular way to budget is percentage-based budgeting. This involves allocating a specific percentage of your income to different spending categories. For instance, a popular one is the 50, 30, 20 method. This rule suggests dividing your income into three categories: 50% for needs, like housing and bills, 30% for wants, such as dining out and entertainment and 20% for saving, investments, and debt.
1: This is very similar to the 60% solution budget, or better known as the barefoot investor buckets. Again, this is nothing revolutionary. Um... You know, percentage-based budgeting has been around for a while. So the idea around the barefoot investor buckets are 60% to your blow bucket, 20% to your fire extinguisher, 10% to your splurge, 10% to your smile bucket. And also you have a grow bucket, which is about growing your super and another one for mojo. Now, if you don't know what any of these words mean, as many people might not... Go read the Barefoot Investor if you're interested in this type of budgeting. It's very similar where you're looking to splurge money, smile, you know, you're you're putting money against something in a fire extinguisher is kind of like an emergency fund. So take a look at that. Have you ever tried this way of budgeting? I did a percentage based budgeting. I mean, I've read his book and I think it's fantastic for anyone kind of starting out, but I haven't used his method specifically. Um, one of the things I did do, which is similar to a mojo, is putting a large portion of my savings in another institution so I wasn't tempted to move it over and use it.
3: I have that as well. Also from like a safety perspective too, because sometimes like ConBank goes down and you can't access your money for a few hours or whatever it is. So I just like knowing there's money in a few separate bank accounts as well. Um, But yeah, it is good to separate it. So you can't transfer it out and spend it all too easily. Have you done the percentage based budgeting? No, I've tried in the past, but it's never really worked for me. I feel like my income and expenses just fluctuate so much. So it's a bit harder for me to sit down and be like, this is how much my housing is going to cost for the whole year and work it out that way. Um And I also earlier on, I preferred to be a lot more involved and know where all of my money was going in very fine detail, whereas now I kind of take a more like intuitive approach. And I, I think we'll talk about it in a little bit, the pay yourself first method, where it's not this kind of broken down into sections, I guess. And I kind of just know where my money is going. So what are some of the pros of the strategy? This is a good option when you aren't sure where to start. It's a good way to automate things and not have to think about them. Plus, if you follow the Barefoot method, it can feel like you're part of the Barefoot Investor Club when you see everyone's orange orange ing splurge cards everywhere.
1: The con is it won't work for everyone. So just as you said, if you have irregular money coming in, that might not work for you. And for someone on a lower income, they may need to spend more than 50% of their income on their needs. But for someone on a higher income, they might be able to save or invest more than 20%. The percentages may be wrong for you, and you might not enjoy this method. And also, it's inflexible of unique goals
3: because it might be overly simplified. A different approach to budgeting is the zero-based budgeting method. This is for those who prefer a more detailed approach. With this method, you assign every dollar a specific purpose, so your income minus expenses equals zero. It's about giving every dollar a job, whether it's covering bills, building an emergency fund, or saving for a dream vacation. A popular
1: app for this method is YNAB, which is You Need a Budget. That's what it stands for. And the pros are it's a very detailed way to budget. Every dollar has a job. And you feel very on top of your finances by knowing every single detail. So if this is for you
3: and you need to look at every dollar, this might be a great method. It's also like a good one to maybe start with if you want to see where everything is going. And then you can kind of transition to one of the more flexible methods. Um, so some of the cons: it may be very time consuming. It's very limited with flexibility and it might be overwhelming. There's a big mental burden as well. And it might promote being rigid rather than flexible with your budget. Um, my friend, Sarah from Collected Insight, who used to be a lawyer, loves this way of budgeting, but I personally hate it because I feel like I have no <laughs> idea where I want every dollar to go, so it doesn't work for me. The next method
1: is the pay yourself first method. With this approach, you prioritize saving and investing by automatically setting aside a portion of your income before allocating funds to expenses.
3: The pro to this, you know exactly how much you are saving each month because you are focusing on paying yourself first, meaning you're investing and saving and growing your wealth before you allocate money for expenses. The con
1: is if you don't have a good grasp of your finances, you may be overextending yourself in paying your expenses. In the example that you paid yourself first, but didn't have enough money to cover other expenses or costs, you might have to then dip into those savings or into credit to be able to do this. For the pay yourself first method, this is one that I prioritize. Right now, I'm still a little bit on parental leave, still working on the side. But when I was working full time, I would decide on what percentage I wanted to go into savings and investments. And that was the very first thing I did. I paid myself first, that money was out. And the rest of the money that I had was then potentially either allocated by buckets in terms of entertainment and so forth. But once I got a very good understanding of what my expenses were, I knew that I could live off that. And then I would kind of try to up that by a percentage. So if I was, you know, for example, saving and investing 20%, I would maybe increase that to 22% 22% or 25 and as my income also increased, that percentage would get bigger and bigger. So I would try to reduce my expenses or keep my expenses the same by increasing the part
3: that I was saving. And at least that's how I thought about it. Have you used this method? I like that from the percentage perspective, I guess, because I've always done more dollar amounts. But it's like, I want to invest $1,000 a fortnight. I know what my mortgage is. I know what my bills are. And then everything left over is kind of my money. But the percentages is really good because then, yeah, as your income increases, you're automatically investing more. But as your income de- decreases, then you can invest less. Whereas I found it with my income fluctuating. I'm like, oh, some weeks it's really easy to that investing number. But other weeks, it might be a lot harder. So that's a good way to look at it. Mhm
1: I think the percentage it's so hard cuz all of these kind of overlap with each other it's just the mindset right with pay yourself first, one of the things where I thought a lot about was my saving rate. And we talked, I think, about this before, Mr. Money Mustache, um, who talks about saving rate and if there's a certain percentage that you hit that you can retire early. So I always really thought about how can I increase my saving and investing percentage rate? And that was one of the ways to do that is by paying myself first. That money is gone. I can't spend it. It's allocated towards my savings investment. So that, I'm a huge fan of this budgeting method.
3: Yeah, I find a lot of people often say, oh, like buying a house is a good by to save because you have to pay off your mortgage, this is a good way to view it where you're treating your savings like a bill. Like your mortgage is a bill, but you're saving, you just have to treat it the same way as well. Exactly. The next one is envelope budgeting. This technique involves using physical envelopes to allocate cash for different spending categories. Once the envelope is empty, you stop spending in that category until the next budgeting period. The
1: pro of this is the visual of seeing money in an envelope and using it. It gives you a visceral connection to the money. And as we know, we feel more connected and sad when we lose money than when we gain it. So this may be a very impactful way of using money, especially because it's not digital currency the way that a debit card or a credit card is.
3: The con here is cash is not widely used or accepted and can get a bit messy with a lot of coins. So it may not be for everyone. This is really great for kids though, because kids don't really get to
1: see cash as much on a day to day basis. We use a lot of credit cards or debit cards. And so they don't actually physically hold coins or, or paper money. Paper money? Is that what it's called? Paper money. Yeah, it is paper money. <laughs> paper money. And so it's really great for kids. And also kids get really emotional, especially if they've been saving up for something, if they've been doing their chores, if they get pocket money, and now they have to spend this money. There's an emotional connection that happens for them. And that's something that we have lost as a society as we've moved to digital currency. So that, that's the pro of this. I think also for kids to be able to handle coin, do math, But also for us, the emotional side of it.
3: Yeah, I used to love being able to save up money when I was a kid and you could like literally see the pile growing. And then we used to take like our big jars of coins and deposit them in the coin machines. And that was always fun, too, because you'd be like, oh, I get the reward of like putting it in the machine and seeing it counted. I definitely
1: used cash a lot when I was younger, when cash was more readily available. It was just easier for me to physically be on top of my budgeting.
3: Yeah. My mom used to do this thing when we were kids where we go to the shops and we get like a hundred dollars or whatever it was to buy like two tops and a pair of shorts. And that's what we had to get. And we'd have the physical like cash in our hands and whatever you didn't spend, you got to keep afterwards. And that was such a good exercise because you could like see the money leaving. You could see how much you had. And then you got to actually like keep it afterwards. But yeah, these days when it's just in your bank account, I feel so far removed from it compared mm-hmm. to when we had cash. The next one is sinking funds. This technique involves setting aside money in advance for irregular or periodic expenses, such as vacations, holidays, or car repairs. Similar to the buckets, but not percentage-based, you work out how much something will cost you and save up for it. The pro of this is it's more focused on the cost of the specific thing and working towards that
1: goal. It's very flexible in terms of deciding what your own personal needs are.
3: The con, though, is there's more time and energy to set it up, and it's not just following a guide or preset rules.
1: So this is really good in the case that you want to save up for a car, you know how much it's going to cost, and you're kind of putting that money aside in into a sinking fund.
3: Um, like I know a lot of people will save for, yeah, things like their car retro and make that a sinking fund or for, yeah, holidays and stuff like that. But it's kind of just having that specific goal and that fund is there. Or I have a friend who's got like a a fun fund and it's an extra $100. So if she wants a coffee that's not part of her budget, that's just sitting there as that sinking fund. So it doesn't affect her overall savings goals or savings position, but she knows that money is there to spend when she needs it on those things.
1: Have you ever used this budgeting
3: strategy? Not really. I've tried to separate it before, but I kind of liked having it all in one. I didn't like having it spread all out. So I liked having one savings account. And I think I could visually see where that money was going anyway. So I didn't need to break it down into the individual goals. And doing that, I kind of felt a bit more demotivated having it spread out because it wasn't like, here's your one big savings amount. It's like, oh, there's like $200 here and $1,000 there. And it just didn't work for me. Mm, Fair enough. Have you used it? I
1: also felt a little bit overwhelmed with that, having my money spread out too much. I found like, for example, entertainment and eating out in terms of budgeting. Like if I'm working towards something, having these small amounts here or there, like I'm going to a concert, so I'll save up for that was a tad overwhelming for me. It didn't work. I like to have a bigger bucket as well. So I think more of the percentage-based ones would work better for me, but this is really another great way to just have a better handle on your money and And it's very similar to kind of having every dollar work for you because you're thinking about what you're saving for and being very intentional about it.
3: It's a good way to not miss something like with the percentage based ones, you might be like, oh, cool, I've got this much saved, but it might not cover everything you need it to. So getting more detailed like with this one and knowing you have your car retro account and your holiday account and your whatever ski trip account maybe might be better. So we had a great chat with
1: Emma from the Broke Generation. We were recording a future episode, but as we were finishing up, she shared a few different ways to approach savings. So let's listen to that clip.
3: One of my favorite things about your content is some of the alternative ways of saving. They've definitely stuck with me. So I've heard about like the 50-30-20 or you have to save in buckets like the Barefoot Investor. But what are some of the other ways that people can save?
4: Mm, I think this sort of... um... everyday money management aspect of like the behavior belief stuff is is really useful because what i really advocate for is people getting to know themselves so that they can manage their money better um and that's where you know cookie cutter solutions don't necessarily work because they might work for a period of time you know it's like following a workout guide it's great but then what's at the end of the 12 weeks yeah you know? bikini body guide by kate <laughs> oh what a flashback <laughs> I couldn't even get past week one. Yeah, um, But yeah, you know, it's great for getting people engaged and uh, there's nothing wrong with having them. But I personally think that long-term you need to develop an intuitive sense of money management and that can be working out what works for you. So I have a few hacks, <laughs> if anyone would like to try. Um, so something I kind of learned about myself was that I'm uh, very, uh, I'll focus on something very intently for a period of time and then I'll just kind of think, oh, it's dead to me now. And my focus will drop.
3: That's kind of how I do stuff as well. Yeah. All or nothing. Yeah.
4: <laughs> and so sometimes what I like to do is when I, and I was paid monthly at this time and I pay myself monthly now, um, is if I want to save a portion of money towards something, I'll have a very intense period like a week where I don't really spend any money. Like, you know, I, I make my Nescafe at home and I don't go out for dinner and we don't do Uber Eats and that kind of thing. And those sort of discretionary things that add up, I cut those and save the chunk of money, save my spending money that I would have otherwise given myself. And then the rest of the month, I just live as normal, saving a little bit. And if you sort of think about it from, you know, say you want to save $400 a month, then let's use a four-week month to be really simple. Let's say every month is February. If you want to save $400, you can save $100 a week or you can save $250 in the first week and do nothing and stay at home and catch up on Netflix and, you know, do at-home yoga or whatever it is that people do. Um I personally love Grow With Joe for YouTube workout. So okay. it? Walking workout, standing up, love it. And then the other weeks, you only need to save $50 and you've, you've saved the exact amount at the end of the month. And I think if you struggle with monotony around money, um, sort of thinking that every budget is like a line in the sand and thinking, Oh God, this is my life now. I've got to pack a pack of lunch every day and every, you know, all that stuff. I think if you really struggle with the monotony of that, using that variable budgeting method, whether it's for your ongoing saving and your ongoing investing, or it's for a specific goal that you're saving for, that can be really helpful because it keeps you interested. It keeps you varied. And I think the most powerful thing that it does, because you know, just like any other solution, it's not going to be what you do forever. What I think that it does is it helps you understand what you can fit in different amounts of spending. And that's really powerful because that's where that intuitive money management comes from. Because, you know, we all talk about our budget and our this and our that, but I'm sure I don't speak for just myself in the money sphere when I say I don't track every single dollar that I spend purely because I know that the $200 I give myself to spend freely, I know what I can fit into that. I know that that can get me if I want a coffee every day or sometimes two, that means I can maybe only eat out once. Whereas I know that if I've got a birthday and a this and a that and a something else, or a couple of weeks ago, I was going to Sydney for three days. So Monday to Wednesday, I didn't spend any money at all. So that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all my money was indexed to that. So I think it teaches you to be very aware of what adds up to what. Because, you know, we've all done that thing where you go and you tap, 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 and you think you spent 50 bucks and it's 200. And you're like, what? What did I buy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially in, you know, little treat culture where everywhere you go, you little treat and I need one too. Um, I think, I think it's just a more interesting way of being engaged with your money. There's a few different ways of kind of taking that, taking that variable concept. Um, it can be, if you're much more of a visual person, it can be sort of taking an amount you want to save like $10,000 and getting a random number generator and getting maybe, I don't know, a hundred numbers. That are all different that add up to that amount, and saving that amount each week, coloring it off of a chart mm. or something. So lots of people like
3: that with the up bank saving
4: ones. Yes, yeah, I love those ones. They're really good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, or yeah, if your if your bank has that functionality, then that too. And um, that's how. I personally use it. Um, you can also sort of vary it in terms of the things that you're spending money on. And I think again, this comes, this is a really good way to teach that intuitive money management, thinking about where you want your money to go and where it has the most value. Um, a tool that I often get people to do is to, um, either print out their transactions or write them down and then rank, obviously. Only the non-essential ones. Rank each one out of 10, um, to signify how much joy or value are added to your life. Gives you a heat map of where you're getting your money's value. If you've got a lot of low numbers, probably that's why you're always wondering where your money's gone. Cause you're thinking, why did I buy that? Why did I spend on that? Oh, that coffee that I thought I wanted, but I didn't. Sorry to use the coffee argument, but it's always a leak for people. Um, with that, then you can start thinking, okay, well, I, at some periods in my life, I like to order a lot of takeaway because I I just want to, it's a busy period or I just want to, or it's summer and I'm out and I'm busy or whatever. I don't know why I say that. I don't have a life. But (laughs) you (laughs)
3: just sent a Daydream Island. That's very (laughs) summery. It's true.
4: Sometimes that's what you want to spend your money on, but something's got to give, you know, um, This year, I'm doing a complete ban on clothing spending and beauty spending nails and that kind of thing, with the one exception of my eyelashes, because I keep them because I love them. Um, And that is freeing up money for other things. But it's having that wherewithal to know that if you have this, then that has to go. And you can dial it up and dial it down. You don't need to be someone that doesn't get their nails done or someone that does buy lunch at work every day. You can sometimes be someone that does both and sometimes someone that doesn't either. And sometimes you can do a bit of that and a bit of that. And I think just rotating around the things that you spend and mixing up your money routine can kind of give you the same experience without actually feeling like you're giving anything up.
3: Yeah, people always ask me how I budget, but I kind of do it more intuitively these days. But I don't quite know how to explain it to people with where to start off. So there's some great ways to actually go and do it.
4: Yeah, like I think if the top, I uh, sort of talk about budgeting from like a top-down perspective, like your money comes into this like cloud and then you pull it down into different things. And I think as long as the first level of that is sorted, that your bills are paid and your savings are put away and your investments if you're doing it and any other categories that you need, sinking funds if you do them, that kind of thing. I think what happens next... You can either be somebody that goes, okay, that much to entertainment, that much to kids, that much to groceries, that much to eating out, or whatever categories you have. Horse riding—I don't know what people do—or you can just leave it up there and and then you kind of do it intuitively, like yeah. we talked about. Um, I think it's a, I think it's important though to caveat not to use that as a justification to just not bother. Yeah. Um, which is often I think when, what can often come up is when I you know say give yourself money to spend or yeah give yourself autonomy. It can only work if the rest of the system is working as well. If you want to give yourself $200 to literally blow up the wall if you want to, that's fine. But the rest of it has to be.
3: If you've paid your bills and paid yes, your mortgage allocated. and everything yeah. else. Yeah.
4: You can't only do that bit and none of the rest. Yeah. If you've got your money coming in and you've put it here, 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 and here, and one of those places is just free blow money. I think Glenn James calls it blow money. There's yeah. A blow account or something. If you want to do that, that's fine. we just got to make sure that the rest of it up top is it's working. It's very as well. intentional
1: with it. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about how bad my budget is currently. It's, uh, <laughs> honestly what I was thinking. Why is your budget bad? No, it's not, it's not bad. It's just, uh, I think, once I combined finances with my partner, which we did once we bought a house, we have an offset account. Everything's like in the offset account. And before I used to have more of a kind of bucket thing where I looked after stuff, but because now we have, you know, like a big offset account and then our, I guess a checking account, it just it just looks very different than what I previously did. So um, I I've also openly said like the first year that we moved into the house, we blew a lot of money because we knew we were going to buy some new furniture. We knew we needed to do some upgrades, and it's kind of like lifestyle creep. You know, you you did the thing, and now you're like, oh well, it was kind of nice, kind of nice to buy new things, and now I have to dial it back to the frugal sense, yeah. which. You know, I'm I'm used to. I've always been quite frugal, but it feels weird when you've flexed a different muscle of being able to decide to buy the new pillows and the new, you know, bed frame and all of these things. So I
3: find it really hard to when I've like kind of opened the floodgates to step back a little bit. Like you mm-hmm. have lots of rules. Like I don't buy drinks when I go out. I'm just going to have water, and that's it. And then once I started buying diet cokes out, it's like okay, cool. I'll have one every single time now. And it's hard to kind of step back into that old way of living.
4: Mm, I've been actually writing something this morning about like. Sp- Spending runways. I completely made this up. This is not a thing. But because I've been thinking about before Tash and I went to Daydream Island, I realized how compelled I was to buy things for the trip. Just, you know, a pair of shorts from Kmart and I'll just get some sunscreen and then I'll just get this lipstick while I'm here. And, and I was really proud of myself that I actually had to stop that. Um, and I managed to, to not. But I think that that's one of those runways where you buy sunscreen to go away or you buy something that you inevitably need to get to go away. And then while you're there, you just pick up this, 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 and then this. And then you're on this sort of runway and it just builds that momentum, but in the wrong direction.
1: Yeah. It's like a snowball. Um,
4: Yes. And I think moving house is one of those because you buy, you need to get a dining table and chairs. But then you also get the cushions in the exactly. and the throw. Oh, and all this print's nice because you're buying stuff for the house. And then you go, oh, you know, I'm just going to replace all the pillows I've ever owned. And I'm going get a new bedding, two sets. And it's are like you, a Are you talking everything. about my bank account? Are you talking
1: <laughs> about my bank account? Because that's legit that. Like, I just, I, yeah. Oh, it's it's so hard, and it's hard to dial it back because there are things that I have dialed back. I haven't bought any new clothes in three years, except for just recently had to buy some new jeans, yes, I think, <laughs> which I didn't know that you <laughs> can dye them. No, I think actually oh, Emma was messaging I look me confused, about that. It's
4: because I've told like three people yeah. this week. <laughs> like,
1: and, and Emma's like, you can just dye your your jeans back to black. Ah, oh. but I, they're they're pretty worn out. They're Levi's. Levi's are pretty good quality, and when they start to wear out, you, you've I've yeah. had them for like. I don't even six years. It's okay. It like, can, have the, you can have the new jeans. Can definitely Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like
4: you should be doing my wardrobe. I, <laughs> <laughs> You're definitely winning.
1: <laughs> but you should come and tell me what to do with my house and be like, you do no not really. need all of the, you know, all the pillowcases, whatever. But it, it it is a challenge. It is it is a challenge that we constantly is as, as you go through different stages of your life, right? Mm-hmm. Like now I have kids, and now I'm like, oh well, I I like they're learning math, yeah. maths in Australia. <laughs> they're learning maths. I I should get them the little notebooks for that. Well, you don't. You need a pen... And paper, yeah, really. You don't need to buy the notebooks. Yeah, and, and it's hard. It's like where do you draw the line of necessity, wants, needs, mm-hmm. everything in between,
3: and other things adding to experiences as well. Like when you go to the airport, and a lot of people buy a wine or a champagne or a beer, no matter what time of day it is. And that's yeah. just the thing that's like associated. Answers. Bubble tea. Yeah. When I
1: go to the mall, I oh. yeah.
3: Yeah. love yeah. the bubble tea because I can't make bubble tea. I'm going to buy the bubble tea. I
1: don't need a seven dollar bubble tea. Like, mm-hmm. come on, bubble tea. I love bubble
3: tea. I don't <laughs> like bubble tea. I don't want like the bits. I don't like it. <laughs>
4: I like it a lot. I had a phase when we drank it a lot, an office I used to work at, but every time I had it, my husband would just tell me about that awful story where like the woman had to have the pearls pumped out of her stomach because oh. the tapioca pearls just like sit in your intestines and they can't like go around the curbs. What? Something. I, I don't think bubble Is this, a real? Tea Is this no. like <laughs> gum in your stomach for seven years? I think that, she, yeah, something like that. I think maybe she was having like a lot of them, but every time I chewed them, I was like, Make sure they're chewing <laughs> yeah, up real them. good, yeah. Um, and then I yeah stopped having it after that. Occasionally I will. They might still be in there.
3: Simple <laughs> <laughs> bubble tea, cool. <laughs> that was a great overview of different ways to view savings. But before we wrap it up, let's go through some of the most popular budgeting apps out there. So some budgeting apps worth checking out are Frollo,
1: Pocketsmith, YNAB, which is You Need a Budget, Finder, and WeMoney. And I know Perler is working on one as we speak.
3: Yeah, there's also UpBank as well. So it is a bank, but it's got really cool saving and budgeting features within the app. Um, so you can set up really cool savings accounts, set and track progress towards goals. Um, and it also gives you insights as well. And you can set like budget limits as well. So that's cool if you want an all-in-one option. And just a reminder, you don't need to keep the same budget forever. How you budget will change and adapt so you can change as you go.
1: Being flexible is definitely a benefit of budgeting. And as you've heard, both Tash and I have tried a few different budgeting ways. So let's talk about some of the actionable steps. The first one is work out your monthly income and expenses, whether you do that in paper or in an app. Just have an idea of what goes in, what goes out and what's allocated where.
3: And the next one, check out a budgeting app that works for you. So some ones we mentioned were Frollo, Pocketsmith, Lineup, Finder, WeMoney, and just find one and give it a go. Even if you use paper and pen, like just getting it down might be a really good start.
1: And that's all for today. Awesome. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us. If you found this episode helpful, please rate us five stars, write a review or share with a friend. If you're new to investing, make sure to listen to our first 10 episodes. Follow us at Get Rich Slow Club or Tash at Tash Invest or me at Anna Christina.
0: This show was brought to you by Natasha who who is an authorized representative 1299881 of Guideway Financial Services AFSL 420367 and Perla, who is an authorized representative 1281540 of Sanlam Private Wealth AFSL 337927. Knowledge is power, especially when it comes to investing. So make sure you check out our financial services guides and read the product disclosure statement and target market determination for any investments you're considering. See our show notes for more info.